welcome to the Christmas episode of the Figure Podcast for 2021. It has been an interesting year, but we are very excited to have our Christmas episode back, even though I know that you haven't heard from us in a while. Um, but we will explain that in a moment. But Charlotte, I'm going to start with you first. Have you had a mince pie yet this season? And have you watched a Christmas movie yet this season? And if so, can you tell me the brand of mince pie and also which <laughs> Christmas movie? <laughs> okay, yes to all of the above, multiple times. I haven't just had one mince pie. And they were homemade by our neighbours who live across oh, the lovely. road. lovely. Delicious, like amazing. And like really orangey yes I have watched Love Actually which I did with my mum my uncle and my aunt in November which maybe is controversial but it was <laughs> long time after Bonfire Night which is what matters second Christmas film was The Holiday which is probably my favourite just um which I watched with my boyfriend who hadn't seen it before so that was fun Always he hadn't seen The Holiday I know Funny. Okay, fair enough. And then the third film was It's a Wonderful Life. And neither me or my boyfriend had seen that before. And I absolutely loved it. I cannot believe that I have had 26 years of not having this film as a traditional Christmas viewing. That wasn't always the case. I was thinking about this when I was preparing for this podcast. I was like, okay, I'm 26 now. That's quite a lot of Christmases. Like, you know, that's a lot of a lot of experiences. So I was kind of reflecting on that over the years and because it makes me sad when I hear older people just say oh it's just a day or oh it's fine we'll do something next year and I just really hope that I never feel that <laughs> I don't think I will ever feel that I don't think I will ever feel that either <laughs> um and something that really resonated with me was listening to um a podcast uh it was part of Saturn's Saturn Returns by Kagi Dunlop she did a bonus excerpt just before Christmas last year when we went into lockdown kind of unexpectedly just a couple of days before and she she just put, had this beautifully put um I guess collection of thoughts about people who were missing Christmas with their families because a lot of people missed Christmas with their families last year especially in London and she said you know actually I'm actually really looking forward to it my parents got divorced when I was young and Christmas is always actually a really angsty time and I there are many parts of it that I enjoy but there are actually many parts of it that are very very tricky and kind of just gave everyone a space to to like it would be okay to feel that which was the first time that I clocked that myself I really appreciated her saying that and I actually asked a lot of friends this year about how they're feeling around Christmas and their families and you know it's completely mixed some people are you know obsessed with Christmas and it's their family's best time of the year and others not and that's okay and I kind of look forward to the years when we can all spend Christmas with our friends as well as our families so um. I cannot wait until we have Christmas again <laughs> and for people who don't know us really well we I mean if you know us even a tiny bit you will know that we've had so many Christmases together because we love talking about it <laughs> um, especially our Strictly Come Dancing obsession and shows <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of which did you watch the final 
I didn't, but I saw the results. I saw the results. You've and got it was... to go back and watch the final. It I really want to watch it. Sensational. I loved it. What, so how incredible that those two were in the final. I just, that made me feel so good about the British public and they're not as backward as the media likes to make them out to be. I completely agree. I think it's such a wonderful symbol of how incredible our country can be because there's countries that still exist and places where that wouldn't even be allowed mm. like you wouldn't be allowed to have two men dancing together certainly not dancing a rumba together which was no. so beautiful mm. mary my friend and i watched it and we cried multiple times <laughs> and we had a lot of crumble which was great um, but i did go to winter wonderland yesterday that was very christmasy um and do you know it's still funny i'm 26 years old and i still fear death when i get on a roller coaster and even <laughs> with a nine-year-old i was still more scared far more scared than he was which was hilarious um hilarious. there's a photo of me and i'm literally clinging on to him for dear life <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back to Strictly just very quickly again because I'm obsessed um if you were on Strictly do you think how do you think you'd feel if you had to do lifts great so you wouldn't be so scared of that no no interesting because Rose no. when we watched the final her lift in her show dance I don't know how they managed to do that it's absolutely amazing and I think it shows how trusting they are of both of each other and they just have such a lovely partnership I loved it I love both of their partnerships and I just want to be all of their friends <laughs> so Shah before we launch into our figures for this episode is there anything that you'd like to recommend yes there is one book that I would like to recommend which is called The Gardener by Sally Vickers and I absolutely love her as an author I've read a number of her books some of them I love more than others the librarian is very good cousins is very good and grandmothers i started reading at the very just a couple of days before the first lockdown and it was the kind of book i just didn't want to end because it's so gentle and so escapist and lovely and this book the gardener is similar and it's just a really great all of those books I'd really recommend for anybody who's finding things difficult at the moment um and I would count myself in that uh, and the reason, as we mentioned earlier, that we might, we've taken longer to record this podcast than we planned and that there may be some inconsistencies coming up, even though we promised that there wouldn't in the last episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, my mum is not very well and um, she has breast, bone and brain cancer and she has recently lost her sight. So she needs a lot of looking after and it's all very mm. unpredictable at the moment. So recording this may not be possible next month, but we will see. Hopefully it will be. Thank you, Char. And thank you for sharing with everyone. Um, and we're all thinking of you and Jane always. Any um, recommendations yeah. that you would like to share? Um, there are, one of which that you have requested that we don't talk um, about. So. Obviously the new Sex and the City TV series has come out. I'm also listening to the Guilty Feminists um, analysis of each episode, which is really good. Um, I've also really gotten into Succession. Have you heard of Succession? I have. I succumbed. I succumbed. I always do this with trends like that where I'm always like, no, I'm fine. And now I'm very much in it. So definitely Succession. And in terms of 
books I am <laughs> oh, to God, I'm not reading anything <laughs> I could cut it um oh yeah audiobooks I always forget about those um I've got like four um <laughs> Um, I am listening to um, Beyond Order by Jordan Peterson. Um, I'm listening to uh, Philip Schofield's autobiography. (laughs) I'm very proud. (laughs) Is it good? (laughs) Sounds good. I'm listening to um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and um, so lucky by Dawn O'Porter. So those are my four books that I'm listening to. <laughs> uh, just talk me through. When do you listen to these books, and why? And do you alternate between them like evenly, or do you just see which one you're feeling like? Like I see, I see which one. It's very much about what I'm feeling, and so sometimes I'll just just stick to one for several days. Um, I'm the sort of person that no, always needs to have white noise on, so I'm quite bad at just being completely silent. Yeah, alone so if I'm walking around doing anything at home, I'll always have something on. So it's loads of time. The first figure that we're going to talk about today is Saint Nicholas, who was supposedly born around 280 AD in Patara, which is part of modern day Turkey, and died on the 6th of December. And there are a couple of potential years, 343, 345 or 352 AD. But what is more certain is that he is thought to have died on the 6th of December, which is his feast day. And he was the patron saint of a number of things. And we will go through why, for some of these, he's the patron saint. These include children, orphans, sailors, unmarried girls, prostitutes, merchants, pawnbrokers, repenting thieves, and prisoners. And of course, he is best known for his association now with Christmas, but it's really interesting as to how that all came about. Um, And his connection now with Santa Claus or Sinterklaus, if we're using the Dutch version, uh, or Santa, Father Christmas, lots of different names. But this person is actually thought to have really existed a very, very long time ago, which I didn't really realise, did you? I did. I did realise that he existed, just never understood difference between him and Santa Claus. And I think it's actually quite vague as to what the difference is uh, the resounding conclusion seems to be that they are one of the same and that Santa Claus has come from this character. Do you know the story about stockings? Yes, but you tell it. Well, I found this very charming, um, which is that St. Nicholas, actually not this, this part isn't charming, but the next <laughs> one is. <laughs> the, first part, the first part is that he was really wealthy because his parents died in a pandemic Oh, I didn't know he died in the pandemic. Yeah, he inherited all of their wealth, so he was very rich. And one of the stories that's told is that there was a father who was very, very poor in this village that he lived, had three daughters, couldn't afford a dowry, um, so the daughters couldn't get married, which is basically terrible as I guess imagine in those days you have no kind of future prospects if you don't get married. Um, and because they were so poor, that would have forced them into prostitution. Hence the connection. Right. Yep. 
exactly one night St Nicholas dropped a bag of gold down the chimney to give them enough money to get a dowry for the eldest daughter however it fell into a stocking that was that was being kind of held up on the washing line in the chimney therefore they found this gold in the stocking and it came down the chimney the eldest daughter was able to get married and then the same happened for the second and third daughters and the, the old man found out about it and St Nicholas didn't want anyone to know but they told everyone anyway and apparently loads of people in the village had all received gifts from him so that's sort of where that legendary story I imagine comes from that he goes to lots of different houses drops presents down the chimney and, and sadly he was persecuted by Emperor Deletian who persecuted all Christians um, in the Roman Empire so he was actually imprisoned. He was released under Constantine who was the emperor who made Christianity accepted Christianity as the default religion I guess over paganism okay and so that's why you've got things like Constantinople rather than Byzantine and Christianity was established as the European-wide belief system under Constantine from what I understand died on the 6th of December which is why that date um, it's quite significant in many countries around the world. Um, and a lot happens on the 6th of December. I remember one year we tried to do this and it didn't work. Um, my brother and I tried to put our shoes outside. And my parents were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but in a lot of cultures, that's what happens. <laughs> and particularly in Holland. So this is interesting. So this is the Sinterklaas um, element of it. Um, they And it's still very much celebrated. And so from what I was reading about in the Reformation, so 16th, 17th century, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, So 16th century, the devotion of saints such as St. Nicholas hugely declined, but it continued in Holland. And so this is where this, and then it has kind of remained And then when the Dutch colonists went over to New York, which was previously called New Amsterdam, they brought this tradition with them. And then this is where the Sinterklaas, Santa Claus element of popularity comes from in America, which was hugely exaggerated in the 1800s and 1900s by various different poets and writers who wrote poems about Santa Claus uh, that were published and were very popular. And then the kind of image of Santa Claus that we have today is not from Coca-Cola, as I believed previously. It's much more um, from Thomas Nast, who did a sketch for Harper's Bazaar in 1863. That kind of urban legend that previously Father Christmas was wearing green and then he wore red and it was because of Coca-Cola. He he had red bishop's robes on a lot beforehand and there were lots of different multicolored things that he would wear. Um, but I think that Thomas Nast's sketch of the red that established it more as the kind of recognisable uh, feature of Father Christmas or Santa Claus. How clever of Coca-Cola to spread that rumour. Yeah, very clever. Good marketing. Yes. The other thing about the 6th of December, which still happens today, is that um, the statue of St Nicholas is carried out to sea in Bari, where his remains have been buried. And this is so that he can bless the sea and grant safe voyages for the year ahead. 
And there's a story or a legend around the sailors. So he supposedly saved these sailors who had prayed to him during a storm. And then he appeared on their ship and he calmed the sea. Um, so that's one of the kind of miracles that is, are associated with him. So that's why he's kind of patron saint of sailors. Um, mm -hmm. And the him having his remains in Bari is really interesting as well. This hugely increased his popularity because in 1087, his remains were stolen from, I imagine, modern day Turkey, where they would mm. have been buried before. Oh, sorry, in Myra, where he was bishop. Myra, yeah. And then they were stolen by Italian sailors and taken to Bari, where they remain. And so this has become a place of pilgrimage for lots of people. And in 2017, they found a piece of hip bone and they confirmed that it was from the fourth century. Wow. So it wasn't just fake bones, it was real yeah, bones. Maybe. That is cool. Mm. Um, I also read in my research of the sailing connection that apparently William of Hastings, before conquering England, um, prayed to St. Nicholas. So maybe St. Nicholas is responsible all along. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the other legend that we should mention, which is kind of a, a weird one, about children and pickles and brine and tubs. So <laughs> the story goes that this innkeeper had murdered and chopped up three children and pickled them in a tub of brine. And St. Nicholas became aware of this. He just knew it had happened, I think. And then he went to the house of the innkeeper or the inn, I guess, and he saved the children's lives. So he brought them back to life and pieced them back together again. And so there are lots of medieval images of him with these like three children coming out of a tub and him with his long white beard, which he's had for a very long time. I was wondering about what the history of the whole long white beard is. And mm. even in a Russian icon image of him, even in 1294, so a very old image of him, he has his white beard. And I think that that just continued in images of him. You read about so many saints the stories are wild like you couldn't make them up <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely one of them <laughs> it really it's is. also just fascinating from a historical perspective to look at the popularity that's like waned in and out of figures mm -hmm. like this mm -hmm. and that he was very popular at, you know within his lifetime after his lifetime and then with the reformation that changed and I think that that's a huge part of where the connection with father christmas and christmas day and the 25th of december comes from because they it wasn't so um acceptable to start to worship a saint from that old time but they still loved that tradition of giving gifts and so then that became more about baby jesus mm -hmm. and the gifts mm -hmm. but then the other thing that i found out which was really odd is that because baby jesus obviously couldn't carry all of the presents he had a sidekick <laughs> who was called wow. Rough or Ashy Nicholas, and he would carry the the presents and make make sure that the children behave themselves. So he's like the kind of anti Saint Christ. Nicholas. Yeah, odd, really weird. But then obviously it's, it's kind funny. of all just like blended together. And I think the other thing that I found fascinating about researching this is the power of poetry and storytelling and these magazines and then advertising campaigns yes and 
that to make this into such a huge element now that is just indispensable for lots and lots of families and certainly children around Christmas, which is for lots of people still a very religious thing, but for the majority of people in the UK, much more of a, mm. what's the, what would be the word agnostic, but like family celebration. Time of year where naturally people slow down and gather Mm. um which is why well, it doesn't feel so religious anymore that's that's what's so interesting is that we've got yes. this oh it doesn't feel religious at all it doesn't feel religious at all it feels yeah very capitalist actually <laughs> um but it came from a, a religious story but I guess a lot of our modern life was built on you know the ancient world which was built on christianity and, and religion so what would be on your christmas wish list <laughs> what would be on my christmas wish list wow charlotte you have put me on the spot i'm gonna give two answers i'm gonna give one answer that's gonna be feeling more the ability to just feel more gratitude generally next year and for christmas this year and to try and feel very present within it i think last year's Christmas and obviously like COVID of the last two years have just to sort of slow down and really like enjoy Christmas and next year a really Um, good coffee machine mm, I like the combination of those so the present of being present yeah and coffee yes which probably helps in being present but yes those are my two things on my wish list what about you Shah I feel like I should give a kind of philosophical answer as well as a physical one now. (laughs) Um, My physical one, it's just the first thing that come to my head is I would really love some dark lint chocolate. You know, those like little Lindor balls, but the dark ones. And the metaphysical one, I would like, I would like to or everybody who is healthy and well to again it kind of links to your one Mm. feel gratitude and appreciation for being healthy and well yeah and particularly for the use of five senses for all of us who are lucky enough to have those five senses that work beautifully and we to the point where we don't even think about it just stop and think about what you have and what they mean to you um and actually on that note I think Rose Ailing Ellis has made us all who've been watching Strictly think about that a lot and her the gift that she's given to the deaf community and by and to everybody who's watched Strictly has just been extraordinary I I'm so I feel very very privileged to have watched that and to have an insight into her world it's such a beautiful thing The next figure is that 160 countries around the world celebrate Christmas. And in Germany and Italy and a lot of European countries, there's a lot of emphasis on the 24th uh, of December. But I know that uh, two of my friends who are from Ukraine and Russia, um, I didn't realise that they don't really celebrate or open presents or do anything on Christmas Day um, or Christmas Eve. It's all on the 6th of December and after the epiphany um so that sort of got me thinking about what else does everyone do at christmas Shah, what were your most interesting finds well one of my favorites comes from sweden 
Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's and good. In Sweden, they have a Yule goat dates back to pagan festivals. So pre pre kind of Christ. In 1966, someone had the idea of making a giant straw goat, and this is now put up on the first Advent Sunday each year. And I quite like the idea of that. I just, it makes me kind of smile. We look at other countries that we maybe don't know that many people who live there or don't have family. And we think it's like odd that they do that. Mm. Then we look at our own traditions. Why do we have bread sauce? I don't know. Or Brussels sprouts. And we don't eat them at any other time of the year. The problem that most people have with Brussels sprouts, this is a little tip. They're overcooked. Yeah, I just fry mine. Yeah, that's a nice thing to do in like butter. That's delicious. Too many people overcook peas, broccoli, peas less so, cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. Those things should never, ever, ever be overcooked and they should all have lots of butter with them. (laughs) So in Japan, 1% of the population is Christian. And in 1974, uh, KFC started this marketing campaign um, called Kentucky for Christmas. So on Christmas Day in Japan, you get queues and queues and queues outside KFC um, because that's become a tradition that people eat KFC on Christmas Day. God, that was a good wheeze from KFC. I know, it's true. Um, And in Iceland, for 13 days before Christmas, the children leave their shoes out um, to receive sweets. And the same in Finland, and obviously we talked about Holland as well. Finland, the tradition is you make a massive pot of porridge uh, for breakfast obviously it's so cold there and you hide one almond in the porridge and then you dole it out for your family so you have six bowls and then whoever gets the almond wins but how fun is that and then if you if you really want to trick people you could put six almonds in and see if everyone gets one or someone gets more or whatever so i think i france, knew you would love that france do a similar one on the epiphany day i remember um reading about this where they have they make a cake on the 6th of january and you put a coin in the cake and then whoever mm-hmm. also wins. aren't there meant to be a penny or like something in christmas puddings i think that's most meant to be buy. we always buy ours we don't make it i think that traditionally it's meant to have a, a penny inside mm. um i also thought it was really interesting learning about why we so many people have turkey in the uk mm. because turkeys originally come from america Yes. And so it's not, I kind of thought it was something that we would have had in the UK forever, but not true. And A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens was very influential in this. And this is because the Cratchit family have a goose, but they are given a turkey by Scrooge at the end because it's, quote, bigger and more important. So that's part of why loads of people have turkey. Well, as a child, I never had a turkey because my parents don't, my dad didn't like turkey. Um, and also we celebrate Thanksgiving, have duck or gammon or ham. And I never really enjoyed that even before I was veggie. Now that I'm veggie, I will always have a nut roast. Some years I make them, some years I buy them. What's funny about nut roast is that everyone eats it. So I actually have to be really quick to get some. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to make a really nice veggie stuffing this year and have some veggie sausages and gallons of roast potatoes, obviously, and lots of cranberry sauce. I also found, so I went down a rabbit hole of looking into Russian Christmas 
uh, just because I thought it would be interesting. But um, when the revolution happened in 1917, celebrating Christmas was banned. It was actually officially banned in 1929. You were allowed to have a new year tree, but you weren't allowed to celebrate Christmas, obviously, because of the Soviet Union, you weren't allowed to be religious. Um, so the festivities there are very much centered around New Year as opposed to Christmas. But after the Soviet Union fell in 1991, it became legal again to celebrate Christmas. So um, I think a few people might celebrate it on the 25th if you're Catholic, but mostly it's celebrated in the year. And then on the 7th of January, which is where the Epiphany celebration kind of comes in. And in Ukraine, interestingly, what happens is you gather your kind of family members and like you would here, and on the table has to be 12 separate dishes. So they don't have necessarily like a turkey and then all the sides like we do. Um, they've got lots of different things, but it has to be 12 and it has to be 12 separate dishes that you then serve around. Um, which I thought was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. One of the things that I thought were lovely is that in Poland, you have Christmas Eve dinner, but you cannot begin until the first star in the sky appears because of the Star of Bethlehem. There's also a beautiful lantern festival in the Philippines, which again is around the Star of Bethlehem and looks really gorgeous. And then the other thing that I found out, um, which links weirdly Barbados and Scotland, and it is a dish called a jug jug, and it's made up of pigeon peas, guinea corn flour, herbs, and salt meat. And it's traditionally eaten on Christmas Day in Barbados. Um, and obviously in South Africa, New Zealand, and Australia, the tradition is seafood um, on the sea. Um, and they also, I think the, the traditional Maori uh, Christmas plant is not a Christmas tree. It is a plant with a red flower. Have you got your tree up? Yes. And has it got lots of pink and silver decorations on it? Well, it is not my, I don't own the tree. Ah. So it's just, it's just got the general decorations, but the room is very festive. And even the room I'm in now has tinsel everywhere. The third figure that we're going to talk about is a collective figure, I guess, of images that move because they're films or adverts from John Lewis, which I feel has been like a marker of the start of the Christmas run up, which I really love. I love the anticipation of Christmas and spring twinkly lights <laughs> and <laughs> seeing friends and family and doing work Christmas parties and all of that. I mean, lots of people won't have had that this year, but there's been some build up. But I've got to say they made, again, a serious faux pas, in my opinion, this year, which is that they brought out the advert before Bonfire Night. They did. A Advertising lot of, uh, started earlier this year because they wanted to up sales as a, to sort of mitigate last year. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But I also just think, come on, it's like you could <laughs> at least wait a day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll tell them. <laughs> so, G, should we run through kind of when it started and and then yes. which ones our favourites are? Yes, started in two thousand seven. With the shadow. Yes. Which I hadn't seen until we did this research. And it's very clever. And it's a girl walking her dog, I think, that they make out of household presenty items. And it's very collaborative, nice bit of music, short, simple, effective. 
Great. And how would you rate it out of 10? Ooh, I would rate it as a seven. Then we had, um, so the, the same agency uh, commissioned the first two and then they changed to Adam and Eve. And I actually think that they got better from that point. Like there's a very, like, I don't know, I prefer the the the, the ones after 2009 than the first two. What do you think? I, I feel like 2007 was good. Then we had a couple of quite mediocre, okay, but nothing nothing very storytelling about 2008, 2009, 2010. There's no defining feature. It's sort of children, mm-hmm. parents, wrapping presents. There's some like lovely kind of warm moments, but nothing that's going to make you completely well up and and talk about it and watch it again. Then we get to the boy with the messy present who cannot wait to give his present to his parents which makes me well up every time 2011 this is the game changer really (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's true and when I was watching it again I just think the transitions are so clever in that from a fun of film and graphic perspective that he's on the swing and then the swing is changing to the clock ticking and it's so amazing how much they manage to communicate when there is no words in that advert. Like lots of their adverts, no words, just expressions. You get such a feeling of excitement, which is what makes it such a great advert. Absolutely. You get the anticipation in that advert. It's so well done. That was, I thought, my favourite until I watched a 20-minute plus video <laughs> of every single <laughs> John Lewis ad. And then it went on to all of the other ones that came after. I had banger after banger. And once I got to the end, I thought, actually, I don't know if that is my favourite because I just love, I love basically 2011 to 2016. And then 2018, I also love, which was the Elton John year. Yeah. Where they do most of his life and the piano is from his granny. That is gorgeous as well. Yes. And wasn't the Elton John movie uh the Elton John movie came out at that time it's just it's it's interesting with Christmas advertising generally because it's such an important time of year for retailers to make money and hospitality as well and I think this year I saw a stat on taken from Deloitte in total nearly eight billion pounds was spent on advertising um, in 2021 Christmas advertising and this is an interesting stat where a U.S. household spent on average $1,387 during the holiday season last Christmas. So much money. <laughs> um, average. Um, but it's average. Yeah. Um, but that's this time of year, there's always that, uh, you know, pressure, I suppose, to, you know, because it's not even just presents. Even if you went light on presents in your in your own family, there's loads of hosting and food, and you know, going to parties, and there's a lot of money spent, um, which is what the advertising obviously is trying to encourage us to do. Um, but apparently, it was Cyber Monday. It's always the most uh, lucrative day of the year for retailers. It's like the highest conversion rate, which makes sense because there's been there have you know they would have had Black Friday and then you know Cyber Monday is the Monday after that and Christmas is about three or four weeks away so that's a really good time to buy presents as well but it's organized people but it's interesting with the Christmas advert trend because loads of other food uh, companies have 
copied genres obviously genres is a reader but they have waitrose so waitrose sort of goes in with that but what other christmas adverts have you, have you noticed over the years Shah? and does it i think it collectively helps everyone get excited like i remember the iceland adverts were always on every year over christmas and the advertising was always about like an easy christmas drinks party because you can just mm-hmm. take out the freezer yeah there's a couple that i've really loved over the last couple of years um the first is the sainsbury's ad that they did around the christmas day in 1914 when germany and the football game yeah in no man's land oh yeah really a very cinematic beautiful ad and just really memorable the second one is the MS Mrs. Claus ad from 2016. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Love really her. good. Glamorous. Great bit of balance going in. <laughs> and then the last one is from last year, and I hate, hate the company, but loved the ad. And it was the Amazon ballerina ad, you know, where she'd been practicing for her performance and then it wasn't able to happen. And then it happens outside and it's just gorgeous and very apt to the time (laughs) so my favorite Christmas adverts were definitely the football game I cried every time I saw that um the dragon advert for the John Lewis campaign um and the messy present as well about the dragon one that you liked just really cute dragon (laughs) (laughs) it was really cute and it's trying to like breathe fire and it can't it's just really cute it just for some reason got me um (laughs) so i i preferred the other kind of hashtaggy ones that they had they went through a series of kind of hashtaggy ones monty the penguin what a great Great yeah. advert, literally made me laugh out loud when I was watching it. And then everyone in the kitchen was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just watching Monty the Penguin on a trampoline. <laughs> and then the man on the moon, I thought was stunning. That yes. That is again, and such a powerful comment on loneliness at Christmas, which is such a huge yes. issue. Huge. And just very, very subtly, but beautifully communicated. And then on the other side of the kind of, emotional range buster the boxer on the trampoline what a fabulous idea such Love a that. Idea. so those were and then you had like moz the monster which i wasn't such a fan of but of those like you know they kind of turned it really like trendy and they had the character mm. i wasn't in love with the dragon as much as those other animals that's okay mm. um, i did like the bastille song though and actually i'm going to interrupt while you talk about your favorite things what's been your kind of top songs that have been John Lewis adverts because those have become a really huge element as well of covers from yes well-known people power of love was in my head for months and months and months and months after in speaking of songs as well I was also doing a little bit of research and like what everyone's favorite Christmas carols are now obviously it's really hard to track because there are lots of different polls but the four that came up the most of about six that I looked at were Silent Night, often in the top spot, which is my top, to be fair. Um, Hark the Herald, um, Once in Royal David City, and In the Bleak Midwinter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and then there's like, God rest ye merry gentlemen, and, you know, O come, all ye faithful. O come, all ye faithful is my fave. Okay. I feel that's a pretty that's a pretty popular one. 
Yeah. Um, I went to a ball a few weeks ago and we had carols after quite a lot of wine and two courses. And half the kind of the room was basically split and nobody in one side of the room could hear. It was like an L shaped. No one could really hear. So we sort of the people in the middle <laughs> two carols going on at the same time and completely out of time with each other. <laughs> and we had two people who were quite good, like choiry singers on the table who <laughs> nailed the desk count of oh, come on you faithful. The desk count of no come on you faithful is no mean feat. That is a hard <laughs> desk count. I just tried it actually before we recorded, just to, you know, <laughs> get into the crystal. It's really high. <laughs> I think I think I'm an alto. Um, <laughs> here's a question, Shah. If you're ever at a carol concert, what is the carol that you feel disappointed that's in the programme? Once in Royal David City, like it's it can be beautiful, but it has to be like spectacular for that first verse. And then I also don't think unless people have like really giving it a bit of welly, they're just even if you have a really beautiful first verse, the others don't really feel like they're as great. Or it, I don't know, it just, it's a difficult one to get right. I think that's a bit, that can be a bit disappointing. But if I saw it in the programme, what would I find? Uh, I don't know. One where they, they try to do, you know, do something different. And then they do one that people don't really know. And then- That was what I was going to say. Those really annoying ones that no one knows and no one cares about, frankly. <laughs> I don't want to sing a song that I don't know. I want to belt out a tune that I know. Exactly. I also think Away in a Manger should be on more carol yes. services. That's a good... It seems to be like a kind of... Nativity. Of, yeah, like mm. children. I want to sing mm. that too. As you get older, the need to sing jingle bells reduces and that's also sad i don't think i've actually sang jingle bells this whole christmas period yet um i might do a solo on christmas day just to get it out of my system <laughs> please do that and then uh, i want somebody to record it and send it to me i'd also quite like you to have a jingle bell for your performance that you can shake and what did you think of this year's john lewis ad because I personally feel that they've gone downhill. <laughs> You're their best critic, Shah. I've got I, know, I have some very strong opinions about John Lewis. <laughs> but, but don't you think though that, that this is how this is what how it works is that it, it does ebb and flow. Mm. And you know, yeah. this year they've chosen to do that, and then next year it might be different and it might be better. We'll see. I don't know. I feel like they would have been trying their best, surely. I think they are. I think they absolutely do every year, but sometimes it doesn't always come off in the same way that. I didn't. Like I felt like I was missing the magic. I don't know why. I just didn't get the story. I wasn't engaged, and mm. I I just thought it was like missing something. I'm not quite sure what it was. I know what you mean. I tried to watch it a couple of times just to make sure that it wasn't that I didn't kind of get it. Um, but yes, I know what you mean. I think that it's also because it's the we're comparing it to previous adverts, which have been so exceptional, yeah. and which quite often had a very, very strong partnership between two characters. Yes. So in the Power of Love, Gabrielle Applin one, you've got the snowman and his snow woman, and they're a little couple, and he goes on that huge journey to get her the scarf and the hat. And it just so sweet. So great. Yes. And they have brilliant expressions on their little faces. And you just very committed to that little tiny moment in the snowmen's, snow humans, people's lives. 
Um, and then similarly with the brother bear style, like animals of farthing wood, kind of animation-y, cartoony one that they did with Lily Allen singing Somewhere Only We Know. The hare and the mm. bear. I am really committed to this friendship. It's so yeah. cute. And that was an amazing song that Lily Allen. Amazing. I love that song. Yeah. Monty the Penguin. You have Monty and his female Monty at the end and the little boy. And that's all like gorgeous. And you're like, they have such a great friendship. Everything's going super well. Man on the Moon, you've got the little girl and the man on the moon. Very mm. committed, very connected, engaged yeah. in all of that. Buster the Boxer. He's like looking on at the animals. He's very jealous. And then he's having a great time on the trampoline again. Love it. Like it just, I think that that's what it was. There wasn't a strength of, mm. it just missed. So then you didn't have as much buy-in. No, that's true. Um, we should we should send that feedback to them immediately. So what, what do you think we would suggest for next year? Oh, good question. I think it needs to reflect the last three years and it needs to be something it needs to be a buy-in that we have of a relationship between two characters or maybe a family and really look at, you know, what displacement people have experienced um, around, you know, COVID and everything that's happened and sort of having Christmas time is a time when we hopefully bring people together um, and like one of hope. But I think it should reflect that. I think that would be really good. Yeah, I also think there should be more animals. And animals, yes. <laughs> Maybe all the animals can come out of quarantine and they can all finally see each other again. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Figure Podcast. It's been so much fun to record another Christmas episode. And we will be back in the new year, hopefully. And as we mentioned earlier, we will see how everything goes keep everyone updated but wishing everyone listening a happy holiday season whether you celebrate Christmas or you don't um, and best wishes for 2022. Bye-bye!